We are in, as uh, Jim had uh, mentioned, John. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, the way you phrased it, Jim, which is like any problem, the solution is, is love almost always. And that seems to be very true here um, in, in this book. As John, whoever this writer is, uh, we don't know, but uh, John um, is using metaphor to get at something. And uh, that can be annoying if you read John and you see how he just does this thing with like light, darkness, um, and you see this elsewhere. It's like, why don't you say it plainly and explicitly? And our desire is to have things put into very concrete, uh, definable terms um, so we know exactly what is being communicated, right? Um, <clears throat> and this is in part because, um, without boring you with the science of language and, and all of that, this is in part because since the Enlightenment, Age of Enlightenment, we have moved and shifted much more towards give me things in explicit terms versus like, let me experience it and the taste of it is, is enough. Um, I was sitting on the bench after a racquetball game yesterday and a guy that I've played with before, we started talking and it led to, to him opening up and sharing some things. And he was talking about a spirit, like a real, real spiritual experience that he's been in, that he has been having. And, um, and two years ago, two, three years ago, I had a conversation with him then. And his view of faith and religion was very, very wooden, black and white, dogmatic. Something had shifted. And he was having this moment. It's very emotional for him. He said, I could cry right now as I'm telling you this of what's happening to my life. But I feel like I'm being blessed in, in immeasurable ways. Uh, he had run into um, lots, lots of money during COVID. Um, God had given him, apparently, God had given him a vision. And he began to live out of that and created a business. And it's been hugely successful. And he said, I'm just having so much emotion around this. Like, why me? Why am I being blessed like this? And He's like, I can't even describe to you what that is. I'm not even sure how to put it into words, what I'm experiencing. I'm not even sure how to describe, uh, you know, spiritual things. And, and I said, and I, in that moment, I said, you don't have to. Like, don't go there because you're going to ruin it if you do. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, uh, and, and he just said, I want to tell you more. Like, this is touching to me. And I said, I want to hear more, you know, and and so it was a powerful moment of exchange just on this, but it was like, we're trying to use words to describe what is this thing that we have experienced. And John said, John's approach is essentially to say, there are no words, there are no single words. We have to use metaphor because metaphor gets at that experience better than trying to say what it is. Let me give you an example. When you, you, you've, you've probably experienced this before with a couple that's in love and you ask one of them, what do you love about the other person? What's the answer you get? Come on, talk to me. We can chat here. Impossible to name it. Yeah. Absolutely. What else? Talk to me. You can unmute yourself. You can talk. 
What do people say? Has this never happened to you? You've never had a conversation with anybody who's been in love? That's, come on, tell me, what's, what's, what do people say? What do you love about that person? What do they say? Everything. <laughs> okay. The joy that I receive. Yep. What else? Do you notice that people start to list things? I love this about the person. I love that about the person. I love the other, right? That happens all the time. It's like, I love this. I love that. I love, right? Think about your child. Think about your parent. Rob Highland, my heart is jumping out of my rib cage. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I'm, uh, that's an interesting, yeah, that's, a, that's another metaphor, right? Like, I love that because it's like you're trying to explain it, but you can't. So you say, you say, this is the experience I'm having, right? Um, yeah, attempt to explain an experience beyond words. So when you say like, I love my kid, I love my parent, I love, there's somebody you love dearly. It's a lot of affection. Um, yeah, okay, Sal, love it. Her personality, her spirit, her love for life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephanie, love his soul. Yeah, yeah. So, it, right, it's funny because you say soul, right? It's like, that's another metaphorical word. Like, what is soul? <laughs> Try explaining that, you know. I love personality, spirit, love for life. Yeah, those are bigger concepts. But when we try to reduce it to saying like, I love the way he or she does this. I love that they do that. I love that they are this way. We're starting to reduce it and reduce it and reduce it to trying to get it to irreducible forms. But if you took all those little components and said, well, you love this about that person, you love that about that. But yeah, could you, what if that was found in some other person? Would you love them the same? And of course you'd say, I don't know. That's confusing. I don't, maybe not. Right. So what we're saying is metaphor is gets at this thing called everything, spirit, life, love. And so that's the only thing we can do is sort of experience it rather than try to control it and understand it and try to grasp it. So John is describing this thing that we're going to be looking at this morning in the terms of light and darkness. Okay. So uh, let's take a look at that. I've got, I post this stuff in the passages in uh, Facebook, but I'm going to share my screen with you so we can read them together again. And let's see here. Yeah, I'll share that. Okay. So we'll start with, uh, first John one and, uh, five through 10. Uh, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, meaning God, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not yet, if we have, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. 
So let me just say that um, you saw the notes underneath there. This is relational truth. Like when we're talking about um, this, this thing of walking in the light, being in the light. Um, and, um, and, and, the, and that the light itself is this idea of number of different things, right? There's not one thing that this, this, this is more than metaphor. This is symbol light and darkness are symbolic because they refer to different things. They refer to truth, right? In this context, he's, he's talking about, you know, if you, if you claim to have fellowship with God, but you're walking in darkness, you lie. And so what is the darkness? What is he talking about there? Um, but then he goes on and says, if you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? And to purify us from unrighteousness. He is talking in the context of <clears throat> this whole thing of fellowship, one with another, koinonia. And so he is using light there as you can deceive yourself and say you have no sin, but if you do, you're walking in darkness. Now, elsewhere, he's going to talk about darkness as like also the thing of not loving each other is darkness. Um, so light and darkness are symbolic of this whole thing of like the two worlds. And John is going to I'll get there in that verse where the two worlds are, are clearly like John separates them out in those metaphorical or symbolic terms. You live in two, there's two worlds that are always present, light and darkness. You get to choose which one you want to live out of. That's what John is essentially inviting people in the assumption that he is carrying throughout his letter and that he is trying to convey to people. You have a choice. There's two universes. There are two worlds always coinciding with each other. And the one that you choose is um, there's, there's the light and then there's the darkness and the light under that is this whole thing that Jesus embodied and lived out. And that's why he's saying you need to imitate this person, Jesus, because you see in him a way of living that you haven't seen really anywhere else. And it's profound. It's so loving. It's so honest and truthful. And it's, it even involves things like confession to each other when you screw up. Um, so um, this idea of, of fellowship that we read in this passage of first John one, five through 10 is it has to do is the, the word koinonia, which really is like a witness. It's this language of being with. So participation with uh, connection, unity, that whole idea is caught up in this, uh, this word koinonia. And, and, and we felt it at times. We feel it. We felt it throughout our lives, moments of feeling really deeply connected. And uh, like I said, this conversation I was having with this gentleman yesterday brought us to a place of koinonia, where what he was experiencing, I had experienced. What I had experienced, he had experienced. And now we're communicating in a way that didn't need a whole lot of other language. So I have a, a, a recent client who's having like spiritual awakening happening to her, and it's amazing. And she was a little embarrassed. And she said, can we talk? Because something's happening to me, and I'm not sure how to explain it. And she says, but I have a knowing that's happening to me. Like I know things I shouldn't know. And, uh, and I'm feeling like, uh, like um, I, there's this poem I'm supposed to read for my brother's wedding. And she says, no, I don't feel like I'm supposed to read it normally. I feel like I'm supposed to read it with like infused with like this, this, and she's trying to explain it. She can't, she's like, what is this? She didn't grow up in the, in the world, uh, you know, we've been part of the charismatic world. But she's having this happening to her. And she's like, I don't know what this is. 
And as she's talking, she's embarrassed. And I look at her and I said, you don't need to explain anything. I know exactly what you're talking about. And there was a moment of, there it is, the, the koinonia, the connection, right? Because her experience is my experience. My experience is her experience. We are both swimming in this water that we have neither one of us have control of. It's bigger than us. It's spirit. It's light. It's the kingdom of light. And it is bringing us in this moment together. Um, and so that's the, that's the idea of koinonia. What breaks up koinonia is what Paul or John is talking about as sin, you know, sin between one another, uh, not personal private sin, like I screwed up and I want to confess to God and then I'm good, right? which is the way sometimes we read that first John, the, that verse nine part that we read. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us the sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I memorized this since I was a kid. And it was like, that's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to confess your sins to God. God forgives you. That is not the context of first John. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it drove him nuts. He wrote this book called uh, uh, yeah, Together, um, what was it called? The Little Book. Um, uh, oh my gosh, Life Together. And, uh, and in it, he says, this is, oh, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty direct. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's no, no joke, man. He, he says, you know, it's funny that we create, we, we like to confess sin to God in the God of our imagination. <laughs> because the God of our imagination then forgives us rather easily and lets us go on with life and there's no accountability and there's nothing, you don't have anything to do, you don't have to do anything with anybody else. But that's not the biblical version of confession of sin. He says, he pushes, he says, no, this has to do with community. And that is much harder because the God who is inside your brother, your sister, is in flesh. And when you have to do that, that's profoundly difficult because that strikes at the ego. You have, to, you have to die to this. It's incredibly painful when you know you've messed up and you've got to go and actually confront that and deal with that. And I thought, my gosh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who Protestants now love, actually never actually practiced anything that he taught, which is remarkable. <laughs> like this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a strong Catholic who believed in this mutual confession, not confession to a priest, confession to one another when there is sin, because that is what breaks the light. That is what creates this division, this break in koinonia, in fellowship, whereas the confession is what brings us back together. And John isn't harsh on it. It's not like he's saying, don't break this thing. You should never break. You should never sin against you. No, no, no. You are going to. That's his assumption. That's why he says here, if you walk in the light as he, in the, as he is in the light, uh, verse 7, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. In other words, there's a, an assumption you are going to make mistakes. You are going to do things that are wrong. And then in verse 8, he says it explicitly. If you claim to be without sin, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Right? So he, he's, he's, he's like, just assume it. Just assume it because living in the light is not something you've just entered into. And now you're part of club light because you, you prayed a prayer that you got water baptized and now you're part of club light. Yay. I'm part of club light. I can't do any wrong. All I have to do is just confess my sin every once in a while to God. And I'm good. No, there's no such thing as club light. There is light and there's darkness and you choose to live by action in one or the other. This is what the, this is the line that John draws. It's not between religions. It's not between political parties. 
stop between Christians and non-Christians. And, we'll, and, and you'll see this as you read First John. It's between those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness. It's like, you, you know, in, in walking in darkness, it's like, I'm not confessing. I'm not going to deal with the truth that I, I harm somebody. I'm not, I don't care. I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I'm going to protect myself against having to do anything to, uh, to heal that relationship, you know? And, and John is like, that's the stuff that's really bad, right? It's the stuff that really harms other people, breaks relationship, breaks that koinonia. Um, and what returns us to a deeper level of koinonia is actually when we confess. And have you ever noticed that? Like you, you thought you had a good relationship, but when you have really something that comes between you two and there's a break and then there's a return, and there's a confession and there's truth that emerges. You know what that's like. It's beautiful, isn't it? There's a return to light. There's a return to beauty. There's something that touches your heart. You feel at one with the person again. That's the koinonia. That's the confession of sin that allows us to walk even more deeply in the kingdom of light. And actually what it does is it causes us to create more light in the world. So it, it's not the fear of screwing up. It's the resistance to then going back and saying, I messed up, as John says. Claim to be without sin, you lie. We lie, right? That's what he says. We're lying to ourselves. But if we, if we say, yeah, yeah, I did. My motivations were mixed in there, and I'm willing to admit it. Um, and that's really more of the confession, right? Because we like to confess with like, my intentions were really good. It's just my behavior. Ah, just, you know, come on. You know, that's not confession. Confession is... I had mixed motivations. I own it. And that's harder to do, but that's truth. If you walk in the truth and we confess the truth, that we confess our sins, then koinonia returns at a deeper level, right? So, um, yeah, a lot, lot, lot harder, but that's the, that's the path for, for John. It's like, you know, don't divide over the other things. Who's right? Who's wrong? Don't divide over that because your arguments between you each other, each other will be tending to be over right and wrong. Who's right? Who's wrong? But that's not the argument to have. That's not the work. The work is to say, let's step out of that because that's the kingdom of darkness. Let's get into the kingdom of light, which says, yeah, I'm not going to claim that I have no sin. I'm going to claim that. Yeah, I do. And the way it's defined is very much horizontal. It's like, how did my behavior, how did my actions impact someone else? You know? And I've been reflecting on this as like, you know, I think we all create atmospheres, you know, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I can see it in me and, and how I create sometimes a negative, atmos negative atmosphere right around myself, you know, and it impacts other people. And so to think about like social relational responsibility, um, I think is, is, uh, is much more the context of, of 1 John. So uh, let's look at the next passage and continue on with this as he develops this metaphor, this symbol, the symbolic term of light and darkness. So first John, uh, let me see here. First John seven, uh, not John, first John seven, first John two, verse seven. Let me bounce this down so I can make it visible for you and share the screen again. Okay, <clears throat> so 1 John 2, 7 through 11, dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. 
This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because darkness has blinded them. All right, so let's first take this, um, and I'll keep sharing the screen so we can work through this verse here. Um, so did you notice, not a new commandment, but an old one. An old one is the message you have heard, yet a new command. And it's truth is seen in him, meaning in, in Jesus and in you, because the darkness is passing and the light is already shining. Okay, what is this thing? What's happening here? Old command, new command. Um, talk to me. What do you think is happening there? What does that sound like to you? Old command, new command. Any any thoughts around that? Um, it's an interesting thing because uh, Jesus does something similar with like, I'm giving you a new command, you know. Um, new commandment is, and old commandment seem to sound the same <laughs> because the new commandment, the old commandment is love one another and the new commandment is love one another. So why would he say old commandment to new commandment? Any any clues, any guesses? And I want to ask you this because I want to stretch your ability to also like really intuit, think through and understand um, how contrasts are used or, or par paradoxes or contradictions in scripture are used uh, because they're used as a tool, as a tool to teach. And they're very much experiential. Like it, it feels old and it also feels new. So he's getting at the experience of that. Any suggestions, any thoughts on that? <laughs> a couple messages here, yeah. A new insight from the fundamental, I love that. Yes, 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 yes. It is timeless, yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, um, so, it's effective and true. Yeah. Like, look, uh, love all without limits. It continues as an old commandment, right? Because it's old in the sense that it was from the Old Testament, from the uh, ancient scriptures. Um, and uh, always has been, always will be. Yeah, you see that use even in scripture of like what was, is, and will be. There's a continual flow of this thing. Um, and I love what uh, one of the mystics who I admire deeply says that uh, mystery is not unknowable. It's forever knowable, meaning you can never know it, the depths of it. You can keep digging and you'll keep getting more treasure and more wisdom, and more, but it never ends. And that's the beauty of this thing. Um, and so, yes, it's all of that. It's the old commandment. Right? But here's what happens when you have an old commandment that's also suddenly new. You've had these experiences, all of you have, where you're you have a new insight and you're like, oh, I just had this new insight. Have you ever done this? And you go to share it with somebody. And it's like, as you're sharing it, you realize there's nothing new about what I'm saying. <laughs> Why is it striking me as new right now? 
Yeah, yeah. We've had these moments of something clicking and something hitting us, and it feels so, so like new and fresh, right? And that's because there's a deeper level, there's a deeper understanding that's happening to us. Um, Gabe says, a reflection of rebirth. Jesus is resurrected, so are we. So are commandments. They are the same, but reborn to us. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's beautifully put. Um, there's so many, uh, there were so many commands, rules, laws, but this stresses, this one will always be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the idea of like love one another in the Hebrew scriptures, it's it's an understanding similar to our, our founding fathers here in the States, right? That's like all men are created equal, right? And yet they had slaves, right? There, there's, an, there's an aspect of understanding of something and yet not the fullness of it. it it's like I've, I've stumbled onto an insight, but yet it's not worked its way through us fully yet. We don't fully understand that insight that we've just come to. So even in the love, love one another, even as you love yourself, that's, that's in Leviticus. That's way old. That goes all the way back. And yet its application would take a while because you see all these commandments in the Old Testament and you're like, okay, yeah, I can see how that moved the needle forward. It's more loving than where they were at before. But then by the time you get to the New Testament, it's even more forward. It's like, no, even now you have to go even further. You have to, there's a new insight of what love looks like. And so this is the truth is transcendent. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's always true. And it's true at a real deep level, but the understanding of it keeps evolving for it. It keeps being rebirthed in us. It, it, it keeps having new, something new. Ah, that's what love looks like. That's a deeper level of love. And when you're practicing it in real time, like with people you care about, you know that that's true. And that's the thing with love. And that's the thing with spirit. That's the thing with following, you know, following God is that there is no staying still. It's you stay still and your love stagnates and everything starts to die. You're pre ever pressing more deeply. You're ever confronting deeper core motivations that you realize, oh yeah, I thought I, yeah, no, there was mixed motivation there. And then you're able to, and there's no shame in that. It's just like, oh, awareness. Okay, got it. And there's confession. Yep, that's true. And now there's a deeper connection to light, right? There's a deeper understanding of this. I'm going to share at some point a story of where recently someone who used to attend our community um, and I, we had a split some years ago. And then we had this powerful moment of reconnection and confession, mutual confession of sin. And, um, and it brought us to a deeper level, a deeper connection. Um, but at the time, where the split happened, I thought I was walking in love and I was doing the best that to know my own heart. And now I can look back and go, Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, 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 the moving ever more towards light. It's ever brighter in us. It's ever more true. It's a new, it's an old commandment of love one another, but it's, Oh my gosh, there's a new insight. There's a new depth to it. And now our connection is deeper than it's ever been. And I mean, deeper than it's ever been because of that. So that's, that's the beauty of what John is talking about, I think, is you get to taste of that deep koinonia uh, when we walk in the light as he is in the light. So uh, let's continue on with, uh, with this passage. Um, he makes it very clear, right, that anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. 
Right. And anybody, but that's, so that's, you know, that's the, and then he says, you're, you're blind, you're walking in blindness. And that is, it, that is so true. And even in decision-making, I have found myself at times being confused as to what I should do. Um, and sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it's because I'm not even aware of my mixed motivations. And when I become clear on those and I can move in love, you ever notice that when you're moving in love, you can move in confidence. It's like this, it's like this, the sense of clarity that allows you to move forward with greater confidence when you know your own heart and you're doing something out of love. Even if it's a tough thing, and it's like, you know what, I hate to do this, but I love you. You know, you say this to your kid, you know, it's like, I hate to do this, but this is, from, this is love. This is what love demands that I do. And then you can move forward. Even if it's painful, you can move forward with clarity. And so walking in light and boy does it ever really function when you have this moment of confession mutual confession man you see you see much more clearly like your your path is lit uh prior to that you're confused about well they were did this and why did that happen and i can't believe they betrayed me this way and i can't believe that happened is it it's all this stuff that's happening and it creates this internal muck and mud and confusion but when you become aware of your part and you're able to say, yeah, that's, that's what's happening there. And sometimes you have to wait for it and the light comes and then you see, and then you confess. And then the blood of Jesus washes you of all your sins. As John says, there's a cleansing that takes place and then clarity comes back. You're able to see. Um, so uh, yeah. All right. Let's jump to first John two. And verses 15 to 17, I'll share that with you. Um, okay, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Okay. Um, so let me break this apart because this is a little bit, this is one of these verses that has been used and abused um, quite a bit in the church world. So um, pastors would preach from this. And the, the idea would be to say, okay, anything from the culture is bad. So we're going to create a subculture called the Christian subculture. So it's on music, it's on, you know, it's on stuff that's pure, you know, and that's even the way we, that, that many pastors see scripture is like scripture is descended from God in pure form without context, without culture. And you just apply it to your dirty, ugly culture and actually try to create a new one, you know, called the Christian culture um, that's informed by scripture. Okay. That's not even close to actually the way scripture works. Not even, not even close. It's never worked that way. Idea was always that inside culture, there's light that's being birthed. And that's what Johnny's even talking about here. It's like light, as we looked at the previous verse, light has already come and is increasing in measure. Okay. So it's happening in the world. And Christians again would go, yeah, yeah, it is. It's in the Christian community. No, that's not what John is getting at. Because once again, it's about those who actually work in the light, live in the light versus those who don't. Um, and that cuts across in every respect, including right in me. And as N.T. Wright says, 
that line of division cuts right through you and me. It is not by religion or by it's by it's right inside of us. Um, so, uh, so when when we get to this part, do not love the world. Well, that's been used to to suggest that there's the worldly thing, and then there's the Christian thing, and those are two different things, and that's the way uh, it's oftentimes been understood. And so then um, everything do not, you know, no, do not love the world means don't love anything in the world that the, that's created by the world culture. And so now it's like, oh, that's a great song, but I can't love it too much because you know what? It's created by somebody who's not in the club, you know, uh, club, club uh, Jesus or club, whatever we want to call it, like club vineyard or something else. It's not in the club. So therefore I can't love it. I can like it, yeah, but, but I got to love this song because it was created by you know, it's a terrible song. It's it's written by a Christian, so therefore I'm I, I'm supposed to love that. Um, <clears throat> and and so that's 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 been the way I've read it. That's been the way I've heard it, and I grew up this way. Um, but <clears throat> that's not what John's getting at. <clears throat> Look at the way he uses this. And by the way, the world <clears throat> in the Greek is cosmos. So cosmos is where we get you know cosmology you know all this stuff so the world the world it's it, the word cosmos in greek is actually meaning systems so political systems for example religious systems um economic systems he's speaking about these things these things don't love them don't love them right but let's let's use the right word here because john is playing with this word love right because he's talked about loving one another and loving the world this is it, it, so he makes so he flips it right because he says don't love the world as you read here and then when you get to verse uh, sixteen for everything in the world the lust of the flesh did you know no just notice he just switched it from love to what the true definition he's getting at which is lust he says the problem is is that we start to lust after these systems because they give us a sense of control they give us a sense of being able to allow the things whatever ego issues we have. They allow us to actually hide behind these systems. And so we can love the economic system, right? But we don't really love it. It's a lust. And, and so then what happens is we use it to actually feed our greed. You know, political systems, it's a way to kind of know that we're on this side. It's like a club Jesus thing. It's like, but, but just for political stuff, it's like I'm in the inside. And then the Jesus thing is the same thing. It's like, I'm a Christian, so I'm on the inside. And it turns into a weird thing, not a love, but a lust. It's there to it's there to serve me and my ego needs versus me being being uh, truly in a relationship with with not you know separate from or against it, but genuinely with it. Um, and so uh, this is um, so. Then he says the desire, the world, and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me just do a little Greek on this, and then we'll, we'll get into the application. It's a little bit clunky the way the English has translated this, and I think it's not at really accurate. At least most, um, a lot of the, the scholars today would, would, would argue that way too. Because what he's saying here is the world and its desires will pass away. In other, in other words, like always, wisdom literature says, hey, the evil will rise up, but they will pass, right? So you see this in you see this in Proverbs, you see this in Psalms, right? So so this is kind of based in that same thinking: is that the world and its evil will pass away. And John's already said that the light is starting to increase, and darkness will will eventually pass. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Well, that's a nice notion, but it's deeper than the idea of I'm going to live forever as in never die. It's getting at 
you are going to be part of, um, and let me, uh, I actually wrote this down here. Um, you are going to be uh, part of an age that will last longer, that's already being developed and increasing and growing. You're going to be part of that age. So again, he's playing off of this, these two worlds, light, the world of light and the world of darkness. And if you are going to, um, if you live in uh, love for the systems of the world um, and, you're, and you're just kind of like greed and, and all this other stuff and you're just pursuing that, what ends up happening is you're going to be part of this darkness that's passing. But if you choose to walk in the light as he is in the light, right? then you're going to be part of the age that is going to go on forever and it's increasing. And John's optimistic. He believes that this thing is increasing even in his dark world. And he lived in a world that was much darker than our world, much darker, but he's saying it's, it's increasing. Can you see it? And if you can see it, then you'll be part of that. You'll be expanding that in your own life. You will be part of creating light in the world. And that's your job. That's my job. If there's a calling on all of our lives that, that unites us all is we're here to create light. We're here to be in the light, to walk in the light and to continue to, to, to let our light shine. Um, it, it, I'll leave you with this one um, kind of lousy story. I think I shared this with you, but there was this gentleman that came in again, all good things happen at the gym. So um, there was this, uh, you know, there's this guy that comes over and he's yelling at a friend of mine and they're just like, having a debate. And, uh, and then um, he uh, looks at me and I'm, my buddy and I are making jokes a little bit and he gets mad and he turns to me and he starts accusing me of things. He doesn't know me, never even talked with me. He starts accusing me, you're one of those people, you do this. And I said, listen, buddy, I'm just trying to do some good in the world. That's it. And, you know, so, and he looks at me and he goes, you can't do that. You can't change anybody. Nobody in the world changes. And I said, okay. And I grabbed my racket. And at that moment, I said, I'm done with the conversation. I'm walking away. And my buddy comes up to me afterwards and he goes, hey, listen, he's just, a, he's just who he is. He's just that. I said, you know what? It's not that. The reason why I walk away and I grab my racket and I was done with that conversation is simply this. There are some people who desire to put more darkness in the world. And if you're going to do, if that's your, if that's what you're going to do, it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Christian, doesn't matter if you're a pastor of a church, doesn't matter what your role is. If you're going to do that, my job is to guard the light that's within me and to ensure that that thing continues to go, right? And, and that, my friends, this is where the line is drawn. And it's not to say this person's bad, it's just to say, like, yes, we love and we want to continue to love and reach out with grace all the time. But there are moments where you have to say, I cannot be part of this because this is darkness. And my job is to continue to be a person of light and to do my best to extend light and to do my best to carry this witness, this koinonia with me and to try to get other people to be part of that koinonia as well, right? And so this is, this is sometimes hard, right? But it's this, this just beauty in that because then you have other moments like I described that then you get to stumble in on you know, so um, so that's what I want to uh, leave us with is uh, is the choice that we have this powerful opportunity, really. And I love the power of choice because we get to be light. And we get to spread light and to increase light in this world through being truthful <laughs> about where we are and about what's going on, confessing that to one another and uh, and continuing to love 
our neighbor as we love ourselves. May God give you perspective on the things that frustrate you. May your heart of compassion grow for those who suffer in in unimaginable ways. May you pray as passionately for them as you do for yourself. May God protect you from a small, selfish mindset. May he fill you up with thanksgiving and joy and, and and, and for the freedoms you enjoy. May he renew your resolve to be a grateful, humble soul. And may, and may he use tomorrow in ways that surprise and bless you.